What I teach uh, in the seminaries and the institutes, um, in the churches I usually uh, preach, you know, the word of the year, which I preach here. Uh, this year I preached on perseverance. Uh, sometimes the Lord uh, deviates from that. But we actually have a discipleship program, which consists of uh, what it used to consist of about 16 teachings, but it's developed and grown, and it's about 30 teachings. And I've mentioned this before. It's called to know him and to make him known. And we know him through prayer and through the word of God. Uh, through prayer, we speak to God, and that would involve worship, thanksgiving, supplication. You can see all the teachings that would develop out of this. And then uh, the Word of God is how God speaks to us. It's communion, it's relationship. Uh, we speak to Him, He speaks to us. He speaks to us through His Word. Uh, we know He speaks to us also through prophecy, visions, dreams. I've taught on hearing God's voice, the still small voice. He does speak to us if we're willing to listen and create an atmosphere to be able to hear and listen. But any one of these spiritual manifestations lines up with the Word of God. The Word of God is our standard. I really push that very strongly uh, amongst these students. And then to make him known through fellowship with the believers and through witness and evangelism for the unbelievers. And that's both in word and action. I'm rehearsing to you what I teach them, only it's very short. In word and action. Uh, our actions must agree with our words, but people are not saved through actions. They're saved through the word. We must speak the word of God because through believing and receiving the gospel, the word of God, you are saved. But the actions confirm uh, the word of God, that it's a reality. So what I'd like to do this morning is just share with you one of the keynote teachings that I do. I share this uh, every April. Uh, in Venetia in the seminary. It's one of the first teachings in the area of to know God, and it's in the area of the Word of God. And I'll share with you what I share with them. My objective in this teaching is to develop in you a love and hunger and a desire for the Word of God that you can't do without it, that you would see uh, the, 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 the value and the power of the Word of God. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10. And this is about the armor of God. And we'll read it. <clears throat> Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Then it lists the armor. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, take the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you look at the reality of the spiritual warfare in verse 12, in the literal translation it says this, 
For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies. The evil rulers of the unseen world, whose mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world, and against a huge number of wicked spirits in the spirit world. That gets down and down, and down to the nitty-gritty. Very clearly, this is what we're dealing with. And there's a need for this armor. Six pieces of armor. Gird your waist with the truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And I was thinking as I, as I studied this, about as, when I was a young Christian, and, and Beth, you would remember this, you know, Beth was my mentor in intercession. Six o'clock in the morning in uh, one of the uh, tower dorms in the, in the community room, six o'clock in the morning. And, um, but the armor of God. Okay, so what you would do is you would read the word of God, you would pray, and then you would just put on the armor by faith. And it was a, it was a prayer confession. Lord, I just gird my waist with the truth. I put on the breastplate of righteousness. Shod my feet. I mean, you just remember that? Remember that? Shod your feet. With the, and the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation. Sometimes when you did that, you just felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This is pretty good. You know, you put the whole helmet on. And the sword of the Spirit. You know, and you'd say, Lord, I'm ready. Devil, look out. You know, I mean, I don't know if you remember those days. Beth, you remember. The armor of God, Okay. You know, I think God really honored that. I think he honored that. But as I studied and prayed over these scriptures, the Lord gave me something very practical in regard to these scriptures. So let's look at each piece of this armor. Okay, number one, having girded your waist with the truth. Okay, well, what is the truth? John 17, 15 through 19. And this is the priestly prayer of Jesus in that area in John where there's all kinds of red pages. In fact, it's the only area in the Bible where one whole page is red. <laughs> okay. Runs about 15 through 17. It says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 4 and verse 6 through 7. 2 Corinthians 6. In all things we commend ourselves as ministers of God. Then it goes on in verse 6. In much patience and tribulations and needs and distresses, in stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors, in sleeplessness and fastings, by purity, by knowledge, by long-suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. So clearly, the word of God is the truth that we are to gird ourselves the word of God. Number two, put on the breastplate of righteousness. How do we receive the breastplate of righteousness? 
Look at Isaiah 64, verse 6, the very first part. It says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. We are an all... We are an unclean thing. All our righteousness are like filthy rags. We are to put on the righteousness of Christ. Philippians 3, 7 through 10. Philippians 3. For those of you who have your Bibles, I'll give you some time. Philippians 3, 7 through 10. What things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. We receive the righteousness of Christ by faith. When you receive Jesus, you receive the righteousness of Christ. Somebody said, when you receive Jesus, you receive everything that comes with him. When you receive the Holy Spirit, he comes with the whole toolbox. It's all in there. All the fruits, the gifts, all of it is in there. And there's a process by which God uses to work these things out in our lives. We've talked about the fruit. You know, think about patience. Somebody said, don't ever pray for patience, you know because he'll put you in a long line. What's that about? Well, basically, you've already got patience. It's inside. So he puts you in a long line to work out what he put in. And all the fruit are like that. Okay? So, okay, so that's the question. How do we practically work out what he's put in? So it's real and active. It's part of our lives. How do we do that? 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All Scripture is given... By inspiration of God, it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. The word of God is the instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We must be doers of the word of God for it to transform us and produce, release righteousness. Uh, James 1, 22 through 25, be doers of the word. Uh, not deceiving yourselves. If you continue in the perfect law of liberty, not a forgetful hearer, a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. The righteousness of Christ has worked out in our lives through receiving and then being obedient to the word of God. That's it. Practical. Very practical. The word of God is the instruction in righteousness. Number three having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What is the gospel of peace? 1 Peter 1, verse 24. 1 Peter 1, verse 24. All flesh is as grass. All the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. The word of the Lord, which endures forever, is the gospel which we preach. Ephesians 1.13. Ephesians 1.13. These are great verses. Ephesians 1.13. In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, we mentioned that in the first one, which is the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
The word of God is the word of truth, the gospel by which we are saved. And finally, Romans 10, 14 through 15. How then shall we call on him in whom we've not believed? And how shall we believe in him of whom we've not heard? And how shall we hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. The word of God is the gospel of peace. Starting to see a trend here? (laughs) Number four, take the shield of faith. How do we receive faith from God? Romans 10, verse 16 through 17. Romans 10, 16 through 17. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, for years I looked at that, and I thought it said faith comes by hearing the word of God. But it doesn't quite say that. It basically says... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God opens our ears to be able to hear and receive faith. That's what it's saying. The Word of God opens our ears through hearing we receive faith. The Word of God is the Word of faith. Romans 10, 8 through 10. Romans 10, 8 through 10. The Word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We receive faith through the word of God. Number five, take the helmet of salvation. Now, we heard a little bit of this, but it comes out more clearly. How do we receive salvation? James 1, 18. This is really clear. James 1, 18. For of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be the first fruits of his creations. So we are brought forth, we are born again by the word of God. By the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 24. 1 Peter 1, 22 through 24. I remember one time we had uh, Dr. James Buzzkirk, who was uh, dean of the seminary at one time at ORU, pastor of First Methodist, pretty well-known guy, very famous guy, you know. I met him first when... Uh, he first arrived, Chuck Farah asked him to speak at a Men for Christ breakfast out at ORU. And I went up and talked to him afterwards, told him about our ministry, and he said, oh, he said, uh, I need to come teach over there sometime. I said, oh, okay. So, you know, it never happened. And I was working at ORU years later when he was dean. I was working at ORU, and I got in the elevator, and there's Dr. Buskirk. And I said, Dr. Buskirk, do you remember when I first met you? I said, he said, you said you'd come teach at the Jesus Inn. You've never done that. He said, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> you know? So he came and taught, and uh, I told him, I said, it's casual. It's casual. So he showed up, and he was coming up my driveway, and he was wearing these really sharp, you know, charcoal gray pants, and he was wearing a 
bright red sweater and a red tie and a white shirt. And I said, Dr. Busker, I said, I told you it was casual. He goes, I am casual. <laughs> I am casual. So, uh, so he got in there and he started teaching. And I'm telling you, the anointing of God on the Jesus in at that time, you know, the whole thing has to do with, you know, God shows up where the needs are the greatest, and the Jesus in was needy. I mean, spiritually. And the power of God would fall, and the power of God fell. And I mean, he was just, you know, the Holy Spirit, he's moved, and he took off his tie, and he took off his sweater, he rolled up his sleeve. But I remember this, and I just, this is what brought it to mind. He said, you know, the more the anointing of God falls, the faster I preach. The more the anointing of God falls, the faster I preach. And he's preaching. And he goes, wait a minute, I think I just started a second message. Let's close in prayer. You know? So, so I just realized I was starting to really move fast. So we'll slow down a little bit. 1 Peter 1, 22. 1 Peter 1, 22. Since you have purified your souls, now, now listen to this. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. Our souls are purified through obeying the truth, which we already heard was the Word of God through the Spirit. That's how we get purified. In, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Then it just comes out and says it. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Comes right out and says it. Our salvation. We already saw John 17, 17. It says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. We are not only saved, but we are sanctified and cleansed in the process of life through the word of God. We are saved through the word of God. Then we are sanctified through the word of God. Our salvation is received, worked out, and completed through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. The Lord gave this to me, and I shared this, I share this with the seminary. Salvation consists of three elements, from what I see. Number one, justification. You are saved when you receive the Word of God. Believe and receive the Word of God. The second part sanctification. You are being saved. You are working it out with fear and trembling. How? By receiving and being obedient to the Word of God. You are continuing in obedience. Uh, there's a quote by Charles Haddon Spurgeon, a 19th century preacher and revivalist, and he said this, the Spirit of God is the author of sanctification, yet there is a visible agency employed which must not be forgotten. Sanctify them, said Jesus, through thy truth, thy word is truth. The passages of Scripture which prove that the instrument of our sanctification is the word of God are very many. The Spirit of God brings to our minds and, sorry, brings to our minds the precepts and doctrines of the truth and applies them with power. These are heard in the ear and being received in the heart, they work in us to will and to do of God's good pleasure. The truth is the sanctifier. If we do not hear or read the truth, we shall not grow in sanctification. That's what it says. It's clear. And third, glorification. You will be saved. It's a promise. You will be saved when Jesus returns. Okay, so 
We are saved. Justification. We're in this process of sanctification, which is not pleasant at times. Because he works the word of God and the reality of the word of God in us through suffering and through affliction and through warfare. And he proves himself. The word of God becomes living and active. We're changed. It's a process, sanctification. And then in the midst of all this, not even completed, Jesus returns and finishes the work. And it says, you will be glorified. You will be saved. So we are saved through the word of God. We are sanctified through the process of the word of God. And then we are glorified through the return of the living word of God. The living word of God. 1 Corinthians 13, 12, I love this. It says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I am also known. 1 John 3, 2 through 3, we are children of God. It has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. That when we see him in fullness, we will know him even as he knows us, and we will become like him. Inconceivable. But that's what the word of God says. Glorification. That's what the word of God clearly says. So salvation comes through the word of God. You're starting to get a hunger and a desire for the word of God? I mean, come on. Number six, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It says it. It is the word of God. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing it even to the division of soul and spirit, setting us free. And the joints and marrow, it's a discerner. It brings conviction of the thoughts and intents of the heart. There's no creature hidden from his sight. It opens you and causes you to be naked to the eyes of him to whom you give an account. Open before God. The sword of the Spirit is the word of God. So what do we see? The six pieces of the armor are the application and ministry of the word of God to our being. To the word of God to our being. We are to daily put on this armor. We are to clothe ourselves daily, and especially in the morning. What knight in the time of medieval times would go to battle without putting on his armor? in the morning. We are to clothe ourselves daily in the word of God. And finally, seeing as how six is not a very good number, the seventh area, the seventh element of this armor, the seventh element, which is actually the empowerment of the armor, is the last verse, Hebrews 6, 18. You've got the armor, which is the word of God, and you come to 6, 18, praying always, with all prayer and supplication of the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The ministry of the Word of God and prayer. The ministry of the Word of God and prayer. Every morning, we are to put on the armor of God and then enter into the day in consistent and constant prayer. Amen? Amen. Amen.